Welcome to the Freemasons Podcast, coming to you live from Morningstar Lodge number 47. Leave your aprons at the door, my brothers. Welcome to the Freemasons Podcast, Big and Tall Edition, yeah. with your host, Worshipful Brother Joe. And Worshipful Brother Ken. Right, Worshipful Brother George is not with us today because uh, the little guy took the day off because his birthday is tomorrow. Oh, that's cute. So, yeah. Um, he's still trying to get outside the three T clothes, but uh, <laughs> I think he's going to be 39. Uh, so, happy birthday. Happy early birthday, George. Happy birthday, when brother. When you're listening back on this tomorrow, you'll get all pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what we do. As usual. All right, Worship Brother Ken, why don't you uh, take us to the reviews and likes? Yep, so uh, let's start with reviews, why not? We did just get a new five-star review from, uh, I forget what network this is. I don't think it's Apple. Um, This is from Mr. Dardis. Um, He titled it Entertaining and Informative. Oh. Good source of info, opinions, and slice of life for Masons, and anyone considering joining or just looking to find out what Freemasonry is about. Respect the puppet. Obey the puppet. You must respect and obey yeah. the puppet. It's a Absolutely. solid advice and a great yeah. review. Thank you, brother. Awesome. Appreciate Thank that. you. Um, and then we have a few new Instagram likes, not a ton. Um, M. Shabir, Joseph, Big Joe Van Hove, uh, Dylan Crochet. Michael Leahy and Emmanuel Pazoa. So thank you, friends and brothers. Yes, thank you all. Uh, we'll go ahead at the usual and, and lead us. Uh, I'll lead us in a toast. Hmm. Yes, we are charged in a line for the yes. first toast of obligation. Yes, with our uh, Wyoming whiskey that was sent to us from a, a listener. So again, once mm. again, thanks. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Brother, right hand to arms. To arms. Ready. Ready. Aim. Aim. Fire, good fire, fire all. Together, brother. Vivat, vivat, vivat. That's nice. That's yeah, really it is. nice. It's quite smooth. And this is small batch, I think, too. It's batch yes, it number is. 70. Like, it's written on there. That's cool. Very, very nice. Mm. All right, so we'll uh, get into it. Uh, today's topic is how to join Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. And uh, on, a, on a prior... Uh, podcast we talked about what you could expect when getting to the investigating committee and and kind of what the the first steps are there but we're going to kind of back it up a little bit because we're seeing a lot of our listeners sending us messages saying hey i'm I'm about to send in my petition or i'm meeting with my committee mm-hmm. um but we're seeing a lot of our listeners uh using uh, our platform as a as a jumping off point to join the fraternity. So we figured we'd talk a little bit about um, how to find the, the proper lodge, um, how to go about getting a petition, what uh, what you can expect prior to actually getting one, 
and uh, really help you, uh, assist you with knocking on that door. Mm-hmm. Um, Virtual Brother Ken, you want to kick us off with, yeah. with your thoughts and advice on that? Sure. So I guess at the very, very beginning of the process, we, we should probably talk prerequisites, right? So yeah. um, it's going to vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. There's some things that are just universal requirements of masonry. Um, but, you know, we can obviously speak from, from our jurisdiction, which uh, is pretty similar to, to others in the United States and fairly similar to others internationally as well. But um, masonry requires that you have a belief in a higher power first and foremost. So we don't care who that higher power is. Could be God, could be Buddha, could yeah, be whatever. Could be Christian, yeah. Jewish, like you said, uh, could be Muslim, could be Buddhist, could be just about anything out there. Yeah. And even if traditionally your religion is kind of, or the, you know, the organized body of your religion has been kind of against Freemasonry, um, we would still allow you to become <laughs> a Freemason. I mean, that that's a personal decision that you have to make as to whether you know um, you you want to get yourself into that kind of situation with um, your religious organization. But um, Freemasonry would would welcome you with open arms. So got to believe in a higher power. Can't be an atheist. Um, the the promises that we make when we become Masons are made in the name of whoever that individual is, whoever that deity is that you believe in. So that's why it's a requirement. Um. In most jurisdictions, you have to be a man of lawful age, and that's going. The number is going to vary yeah. from uh, you know jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Here in the state of Connecticut, I believe it's is it eighteen still? Eighteen still. Yep. So you have to be eighteen to be a Mason here in the state of Connecticut. Um, I know there are a few that require you to be twenty-one um, in the states, and then internationally, I have more of a blind spot. I don't know exactly what all of their requirements are, but. Um, generally, you have to be, you know, you have to be a man. You can't be a, a child. Um, other requirements include, um, and this is going to vary more between jurisdictions, but you can't be, um, you know, mentally unable to understand the obligations that you're taking or the teachings of masonry. Right. Um, right. We try to be inclusive, like we're not anti, um, you know, mental disability or anything like that, but. I mean, you're joining an organization where you have to understand certain things that you're agreeing to. With and some significant obligations mm-hmm. and, and ties that you're you're swearing before God or, or your mm-hmm. um, higher power that you're going to uphold these oaths and obligations. So you have to be able to understand what you're agreeing to, which I think is it's a pretty basic requirement. I don't think anybody would, uh, yeah. would fault us for that. And our court system is kind of based on, well, a lot of parliamentary procedure and here in the states is based on freemasonry and you know you can't be um made guilty of a crime because of certain um faculties being impaired so it's no real you know there's no difference um between that and that particular requirement for freemasonry yeah and like you said it's not that we look down upon Mm -hmm. you know anybody with a a mental disability or anything it's more that um we want to make sure that they understand and um want them to be a, a productive member of the fraternity so yep um we take good men and we make them better i'm sure that's you know kind of the uh the standard marketing line that everybody's heard about freemasonry but we take that very seriously you do have to be a good man to be made a mason to begin with how that is interpreted is going to again vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction um here in connecticut and i'm sure it's pretty pretty consistent with the other jurisdictions around the world. Uh, you can't be 
um, guilty of a felony, usually. Yep. There is some leeway there. Um, you know, it's still something that we'll, we'll talk with a potential uh, petitioner about. But in general, um, if you're guilty of a felony, especially if it's an egregious one, we're, we're not going to take you as a Mason. Right. Man, but if it was, I know there was a one that we debated. I think it was mm-hmm. hypothetical, but I'm sure it's happened uh, in real life somewhere. Let's mm-hmm. say you did something stupid when you were 18, 19 years old. Now you're 35, mm-hmm. family man, own a home, have kids, nothing in your, your record since then. That may be something that, you know, is at least worth discussing and exploring uh, more. You know, if it, especially if it were something uh, a nonviolent uh, offense, uh, but yeah, it's more times than not it'll preclude you. But there may be instances where, if mm-hmm. you've made amends and have, have made up for it since then for something you did when you were really young, you may be able to uh, to work around that. Mm-hmm. And some of us have done some stupid things when we were younger and just didn't get caught, right? Uh-huh. So you know, it's it's a little bit of a gray area. But generally, if you were guilty of a violent crime, especially if it was recent. I know a guy who's still does stupid things and he's old. Yeah, yeah I know. Occasionally guilty of that, <laughs> just not found guilty by a court exactly. of law. But exactly. you know. um, so yeah, I mean, there's also as far as background checks, it's not always required um, here in the state of Connecticut. There's no Grand Lodge guidance or requirement anyway on uh, conducting background checks on potential petitioners. Currently, there's not, but I think it's coming up at our yeah. next. Uh, our semi-annual in a couple months it's mm-hmm. going to be voted on uh and i i can't imagine it's not going to go through um yeah. just based on just talking to people and, and people being on board with it but uh there may be some jurisdictions where it's already yep required it definitely is because i think that's where that recommendation came from um that they've been talking about in grand lodge so you know it's not sometimes it's an informal kind of investigation as somebody's background sometimes it's a formal one they use a you know particular uh service to do that and it's you know mandated by by your grand jurisdiction um in the the state or the country where you hail that can vary um i i wouldn't say that it's you know i would never say hey don't go talk to a mason about becoming a mason just because you have something in your past you did something stupid when you were a teenager but know that it's going to be there would be a conversation around that for sure yeah and i know um the way that connecticut is at least the proposal that's being made if it passes is that we don't run the background check or the lodge doesn't run the background check the person that's applying the petitioner contacts an approved third-party vendor that we've contracted with Hmm. gets the background check run it gets sent to the petitioner and then they get to decide whether or not they want to attach it to the petition and, and go forward. They have the option of saying, you know what, I don't want to get into that. I'm going mm-hmm. to step away. So we, if, they, if there's something there that they, are not, that they don't want disclosed or they don't want to have a discussion about, they can then opt out of the application or the petitioning process at that time. That's, yeah. that's the proposal as it stands in Connecticut. I think that's a good way of doing it because we're not in the business of embarrassing people. We just have certain requirements that we have to fulfill or that we require of our, our petitioners. So um, we're just trying to do that in the, the most inclusive and non-offensive way possible. Um, so we already talked about belief in God. It's a fundamental tenet of Freemasonry. Um, being a man of lawful age um, here in the state of Connecticut under our grand jurisdiction, we don't take women. We don't take, you know, boys. you got to be a man. Um, 
we another talked requirement, about. Another requirement in Connecticut that um, I'm assuming there's probably something similar, but uh, there's a six-month residency mm-hmm. requirement yep. on that that you have to be at, not at the same necessarily the same residence, but they want to know that you've lived in Connecticut for the last six months. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, again, that's probably something that may vary slightly from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but it is a requirement in Connecticut. Yep. I'm sure in military lodges they they don't right yeah and that's that's not like a a requirement of Freemasonry it's not a landmark of Freemasonry Correct. that's just kind of a, a requirement that you'll see in in some grand jurisdictions. A couple quick comments here, uh, Brother Daniel Valdez. Background check was done when I petitioned in California, mm-hmm. so they yep. have that there. But however, Joe Schultz says they don't have it currently in Delaware. Mm-hmm. Um, Luminous Night. Hey, brothers, great show. We've had a few candidates that have DUIs on their record. As long as the incident was an isolated one and they resolved the matter responsibly, it has not been an issue. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's probably how it would be handled in, uh, in most jurisdictions. He yep. goes on to say part of being a better man is owning your past mistakes and articulating mm-hmm. the life lesson in order to help teach others. If you can do that, your past shouldn't hinder you. Yeah. And I would actually say that, uh, you know, if uh, the goal of Freemasonry is to take good men and, and make them better, one, that one bad thing doesn't necessarily make you uh, a bad man. And mm-hmm. two, as you're making other good ben- men better as a member of the fraternity, it might help having somebody that's made some mistakes that can pass on those life lessons. Yep. Um, you know, and also I would, I would probably imagine they would take their, if they were in a position to be uh, – junior warden and in charge of the craft at refreshment they may have a different uh different light on it and yeah, maybe be a little stricter on it so yep. yeah good, good good comments guys thank you yeah i mean i know brothers that are very active masons that you know had some stuff happening and happen in their past and those conversations were had and you know it was obvious from their side of that conversation that they had learned from those mistakes and you know so it, it it's possible i'm not going to say that happens everywhere. I mean, obviously things vary, um, in Freemasonry, we don't have any kind of central body that dictates, um, all of the requirements of becoming a Mason, but, um, you know, it's, it's definitely worth telling your story. Um, if you're comfortable doing that. And lastly, I'm, I'm think, I don't think I forgot any, but you have to be uh, well recommended and well recommended yes. here in our jurisdiction means you have to be a vouched for by a mason you have to be recommended by one and a vouched for by one so there have to there has to be two separate uh signatures on your petition one uh, both of them have to be masons um one of them um I, I think in connecticut one of them has to be from your lodge or the lodge that you're petitioning yes i, I believe, believe so um i don't remember which one it is recommender or a voucher but um, I think that's, you know, having two people that are Masons already recommend you, I think is a pretty consistent requirement, at least in the grand jurisdictions in the U.S. And that's where we usually get a lot of our questions from. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, I want to be a Mason, but I don't know anybody that's mm-hmm. one. So they, you know, whether they came across our podcast or they saw something on the History Channel or mm-hmm. saw a movie or whatever, hey, I want to do this but if I have to have two people vouch for me or, or one recommend and one vouch for me and I don't know any, that's a little bit of a problem. And I bet you there's yeah. a lot of people that probably stop right there and say, you know, what? It's, if I don't know anybody, I can't go forward. And Yeah, that's awkward. I don't want to go and approach somebody who's a Mason that I've never talked to before. Exactly. So I think, um, you know, one of the things that we'll talk about is, okay, so let's say you're in that situation where you don't have – 
somebody that you know that's a Freemason and you just don't know where to start. Um, you know, the first thing that I would recommend is find out uh, where your local lodges are. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's usually easily done through a Google search or, or some kind of online search. But we had a little bit of a conversation before we started recording. Yep. It's like, well, how, did, how would they know whether it was uh, a regular Masonic Lodge or if it was a irregular or clandestine lodge that um, could potentially make their journey even longer or, you know, in some instances, um, halt their journey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that we'll offer is, you know, every every lodge in Connecticut um, has a, the secretary has a book that that's published every year. It's edited every year um, where it'll list all of the recognized lodges uh, in not only our country, but in other countries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if, if that's something we can certainly help you out with if you don't know where to turn and you can't find, uh, you're not sure if a, a lodge or the Grand Lodge is, is recognized in your state and um, you don't know where to go, drop us a, a quick message. We can easily look that up for you. would be more than happy to, to help get you on the right track. Um, the other piece of that I would say as well is Find two or three lodges that are close to you. Um, every lodge has its own makeup, has its own chemistry, has its own vibe, feel to it. Mm-hmm. And it's important to make sure that you find a lodge where you where you mesh with the members. Mm-hmm. And like we're a pretty diverse group. You know, every lodge has a, a fairly diverse background and a, a bunch of different folks. But you just get different vibes uh, from different places. There might be a you know, traditional observance lodge where everything is really strict, yep. really hardcore. Um, maybe you like that. Maybe that's not something that's really your cup of tea. You're looking for something a little more, you know, laxed. Uh, I won't say blue collar, but, mm. you know, something. Like a rural lodge or something yeah. where you're allowed to be a little bit less formal. Yeah, yeah I know a lot of lodges where, um, you know, they're, they're not in tuxes and suits all the time because a lot of people are coming, you know, right after work they might be a, like in a factory town or there might be a, a farming community where you show up in overalls and boots and mm-hmm. pop your apron on so it's it's always good to get a feel um for the vibe of the lodge and whether or not you you fit and as you're traveling and as you're attending these um you know dinners at least i could speak to any lodge in connecticut um dinner is about an hour before lodge starts Yep. And it's it's open. So if you're interested and you know a lodge meets on a certain night, get there, contact them first. Let them know mm-hmm. you're you're interested in coming. Go sit and have dinner with the guys. Get a get a good idea of what's going on. You won't be able to stay for the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, hang out with the guys. Have some food. Get a good feel for it. Do that a few times, and you'll probably end up coming, on, coming out of it with a, a recommender and a voucher. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know any Masons, you're going to have to meet some. <laughs> That's the best way right. to do it. And it's actually, you know, dinners at Masonic meetings are great experiences, even if, um, well, especially if you mesh with the, the guys in the lodge. But it tends to be, uh, I don't want to say it's it's jovial, but, you know, we're a bunch of friends, really, really good friends and brothers getting together and breaking bread. I mean, yeah. you tend to have a good time. So I think that's a good way to get a, an overall feel for that particular lodge. It's a great, great way to do it. And you'll get a good idea just from walking in, um, you know, if if the lodge officers understand their roles. Um, if you if you come in and you're sitting in the corner by yourself and nobody comes up mm-hmm. and, and sits with you, 
um, might not be the the warmest and, and friendliest of lodges, or they might right. just not uh, know their their role there. I could I could tell you that um, I've always if whenever I've seen somebody singing alone, whether it's a, a brother or a guest, I've always gone out of my way to to sit with them and just talk to them, pick their brain mm-hmm. a little bit, and see why they're there, what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually the um, the job of the senior deacon yep. to to welcome and accommodate guests and visiting brethren. Mm-hmm. So um, your senior deacon should be all over that. And yep. hopefully one of the, the more experienced masons or senior officers of the lodge, uh, if they see somebody coming in, they'll t- have a conversation with the senior deacon and say, hey, this is your guy. You're, you're going to be mm-hmm. with him during dinner and, and see what's going on. And, hey, we're normal people, right? Like, we have personalities, too. Some of us are a little bit more extroverted. Some of us are a little bit more introverted. And the introverts in the lodge may not, you know, be super comfortable going and saying hello to a new person. Um, But there's going to be the other variety as well, right? There are going to be brothers there, past masters that are very, uh, you know, outspoken about masonry and love the craft uh, that have a lot of stories, for example. They're going to go over and talk to that brother. So if you're, yeah, sitting there by yourself, then something something may be wrong. I don't see that as being likely, but... It's it's unlikely, I I would think. And and quite honestly, um, you know, whether you're uh, an officer, non-officer... Generally speaking, we like getting new people in. We want to get yeah. new people into the craft. It's exciting yep. when we see a fresh face we haven't seen before, whether it's a brother visiting from another lodge, because that's exciting, mm-hmm. um, or if it's somebody who's interested. Um, yep. You know, it, it's usually what I've seen, and I can speak for this in, in the two lodges I belong to, usually we overwhelm the poor person. Yeah. Like next thing you know, he's surrounded by five, six people. Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? And he gets the same questions like five, six times. And he's probably thinking, oh my God, like what's going on? Yeah. And that prospective brother might be an introvert or prospective petitioner might be an introvert to himself. And he might be like, whoa. Yeah. It might freak him out. So, but like I said, generally speaking, we're, uh, we're excited when uh, a prospect comes to the door and wants to talk to us. Mm-hmm. about masonry because we like talking about it for the most part yeah i mean most active masons that you're going to see in a lodge are active because they love the craft and they'll they'll talk your ear off about all the stories of famous masons and you know ma- masons during world war ii and so forth so yeah generally you're going to have a good conversation at one of those dinners so here's a couple comments i want to hit mm-hmm. on uh one is actually very interesting from joe schultz but first we'll go to joseph van hove in illinois we we're asked to list anything that would be on record Mm-hmm. Um, on the petition, they would want to list that. Joe Schultz, if not, uh, we have to know you. If you don't know them already, um, they have to know you for a year in mm. Delaware before you can uh, put on a petition. Oh, before they can sign? Yep. And vouch for you, okay. Yep. And, then, and then they ask them to come out to public events if they don't know anyone. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so a year in Delaware. That's, uh, that's interesting. Daniel Valdez, that was me. I didn't know any Masons, and I was so nervous when I approached the Masonic Lodge and knocked on the door. Mm-hmm. Brother inside was friendly and told me about Masonry and, and gave some info. Yeah, and that's a good uh, lesson to all Masons out there. I mean, you're somebody's first impression of Masonry. Yeah. So if that ever happens to you, you know, dig deep if you happen to be an introvert and you don't like meeting new people, um, and make sure that you accommodate that person because they're going to remember that. And, you know, if you are that, that introvert that doesn't like to do it, that's, you know, when we talk about taking good men and making them better, 
sometimes it's certain social skills like that then we can give you mm-hmm. um or if it's if you hate public speaking you're gonna have to memorize some things mm-hmm. and, and present it in front of the lodge at some point um those are all things that will help you in your in your stations in life i could tell you i never loved public speaking i wasn't mm-hmm, like neither. terrified of it but it was like eh, uncomfortable um but now it's like I at work I sometimes do the training sessions for like 150 people all yep. over New England because they know I'm comfortable getting in front of a group and it's it's just a natural thing now. So that's definitely given me some uh, opportunities in in my vocation to to take on some tasks that other people just aren't comfortable with. So. Yeah, likewise, I was uh, I always got butterflies when I had to do public speaking for more than, say, a crowd of 10, 15 people um, after I became a Mason and kind of, I mean, I wasn't comfortable doing ritual either, but I pushed myself to do it because I was really impressed with some of the brothers that um, performed the degrees for me. And after doing that and, you know, working really hard at it and, you know, getting to a point where I feel I'm doing fairly well at it, I would then go and do some presentations or something at work, and I would notice that it didn't bother me as much. So, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, you don't even think about it. Practical stuff that you can get from masonry. It's powerful. Um, so another way that you can um, join and meet some masons is uh, some jurisdictions. I know in Connecticut, it's usually we didn't do it last year, obviously, and I don't know if there's mm-hmm. any plans for this year, but usually every October we do a statewide open house. Mm-hmm. I know Massachusetts has done that. I've actually heard uh, somebody as Ben Franklin, I think, <laughs> on the radio. Uh, cool. Excuse me, doing the uh, the radio commercials, just announcing the open house. Mm-hmm. Um, but you might see just simple events like semi, like public uh, picnics or mm-hmm. an information night, or um, you know, we had uh, both here at Morningstar and at Ashler Aspetuck, we had. Uh, when we had Liberty Ghost Hunters come in and they were, were presenting the evidence, we opened that up to the public. Anybody yep. could buy a ticket, and it was a, a good way to just get somebody to come in and and uh, ask some questions yep. um, outside of the paranormal stuff. Yeah. So and look for those types of things. You'll find those events on Facebook. You'll find them on the Lodge website. So once you've identified that Lodge and you feel like you kind of gel with those guys, maybe you went to dinner once, um, hit, their, hit their website, hit their Facebook page. Um, they'll like that because if they see that you, you know, immediately went and liked their page, they'll be like, okay, well, maybe this guy's serious. Yeah. Um, and that's where you're generally, you're going to find, um, those semi-public events that you can attend and maybe, you know, bring your family to, um, because it's important that they get exposed to masonry too. If you're thinking about joining the craft, um, they may have some, you know, your, your, your wife or your children or your significant other may have some reservations you know they may not be as (laughs) like-minded as you and you know it's a good opportunity to kind of have them see what what the good works of masonry are maybe a charity event that we're we're doing at the local lodge or something and the one thing that i will say is um i've heard this said so many times and it really i'm not saying it's a lie it may be an over exaggeration of of the situation but one of the uh things you'll hear is oh it's only one night a month (laughs) <laughs> That's all. It, it's just one night a month. Or some lodges meet twice a month, but uh, my mother lodge meets once a month. It's, yeah, it's, it's only once a month. You only have to show up once a month. Mm. It's more than once a month. It's probably plan on on two or three. Might not be weeknights, um, but probably one meeting. 
per month and then something mm-hmm. on a weekend during that month. Yeah, and if you want to be active, if you like these guys, if you become friends with them um, and you start going to those events, yeah, you can start filling up your calendar pretty quick. But, of course, you know, there's no obligation right. to it's show up. Right, it's still a volunteer but, yeah. uh, organization. Absolutely. But yeah. what all happened is, hey, where's that new guy? How come he doesn't, how come he doesn't come around? He, yeah. He doesn't like us or... Yeah. And you'll have brothers start ringing your phone and asking if you're okay and so exactly. forth. That's another thing we're famous <laughs> for. Joe Schultz, we're all different. We aren't all wired the same. No offense, Ken. Good point. Good point. And he learned public speaking in Lodge. Yeah, awesome. uh, I, I think that's just, um, you know, and I see um, Freemasonry uh, changing a little bit in, in the new world that we live in. Hmm. Um, just with a, a generational thing, uh, you know, a lot of kids growing up today don't know how to have simple things like a telephone conversation. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to call somebody on yeah, the phone. Yeah, or like etiquette on yeah. the telephone. Um, yeah. A lot of people, I, I know a lot of you know high school age kids that don't know how to shake a hand because like, yeah. they've never really had to do it. And especially now with with COVID, they probably certainly haven't learned yeah. that over. They might know a, an elbow bump more. Good but point. I think there's certain things that Freemasonry can give to this new generation mm-hmm. that are more... Like how to be a gentleman. There's some yeah. some etiquette. There obviously there's some specific Masonic etiquette, but when you want to be a pillar of society and you want to stand out as the example of somebody, and they're like, oh wow, that guy's a Mason. Oh wow, he's like a really nice guy, and I've spoken yep. to him and I've seen him. And you know, there, there's certain social things that uh, the craft can help you with as us old codgers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if they teach help. in school that, like, you know, what a handshake deal is. No. That if you make a deal or you make, well, not a bet necessarily. If you're making a deal <laughs> with another another human being and you shake their hand, that's a deal. Like, to a mason, that's still that's binding. A that's a deal. binding contract. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I don't, I don't. So there's certain aspects uh, of that that uh, I think just society is uh, moved past because of uh, technology or, or other things that we can still mm-hmm. um, help out with. Yeah, the world could deal with more of that for sure. Um, so like uh, Worshipful Brother Joe said, you can reach out to us on Facebook, any of the social channels really. If you send us a direct message, one of us will get it. Um, and if you have a question or if you have a, a couple local lodges that you're looking at um, or one in particular, you know, toss it our way and we'll go through our data banks and uh, – you know, books and so forth and make sure that it's a regular lodge for you. And then, uh, you know, you can continue on your journey and go and visit those lodges and see if you if you meld with the uh, the brothers there. Yeah, like we'd be more than happy, more than happy to help you. Uh, another thing from Daniel Valdez here and how to dress in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's probably a lot of, you know, in my opinion, any any boy 16 years or older and obviously a man 18 years or older. Mm-hmm. Should have a pair of khakis and a navy blue blazer. Yeah, and you know never, how to tie a tie. Yeah, you never know. Yep. Um, and that's just something where it comes in handy on a lot of things. You may only use it once or twice a year, but those times that you need it, you'll actually be happy that you had it. Yeah. And um, you know whether it be other events or you know whatnot. There's there's a lot of help. There's a lot of things that uh, that we can certainly help out with, but. Um, yeah, eventually you might have to go to a wedding, so yeah. it's a good thing to learn how to tie a tie if you don't have, uh, you know, a relative or, you know, uh, uh, parents or something like that that taught you how to tie a tie. We can at least hook you up with that information for sure. 
I know a lot of brothers who know how to tie a bow tie too, which is, you know, that wasn't even taught to me when I was a kid. I learned yeah. that in masonry. I learned that in masonry yep. as well. Uh, Worshipful brother Bob First, who's who's been a tremendous mentor of mine um, mm-hmm. throughout the craft, actually taught me. I still use the clip on to this day because I. Well, just it's convenient it. sometimes. It's mm-hmm. very convenient. Yeah. Uh, but I was actually. I want to say I might have even been a fellow craft. I don't even know that I was a, a master mason at that point. But he and I were outside a funeral home at a Masonic funeral. Mm-hmm. And he was, a, I guess, I think he was, um, he must have been an officer at the time. Mm-hmm. So he, he came in his tux and he was like, hey, do you know how to tie a bow tie? I'm like, no, I usually just clip it. <laughs> Clearly not. The thing's hanging loose around uh, my neck. Hey, so we're over at his pickup truck. He goes, that's cool. Here, I'll show you. And in, I was like, oh, that's cool. Where'd you learn that from? And I, I may forget the, the brother that taught him, but uh, I think it was uh, worshipful brother Jim Mellon, who was one of the older guys in the lodge who's since passed away, passed that on to him. Yep. So there was, there's just that chain of, of things that get, uh, that get passed down. Bow tie tying for sure is like one of those traditions that goes between masons. Yes. It's, yeah, I've heard those stories in my lodge as well. That's awesome. Very cool. But what else as far as uh, we covered how to find the lodge, making sure that they're mm-hmm. they're not clandy. We talked about um, general finding requirements. good fit, general requirements. Yep. Um, and we've talked a lot in the past about what happens after you hand that petition in and the process and so forth. So we, we don't really need to beat that whole horse more, but, um, yeah, if we have anybody yeah. that's listening right now that, uh, has any questions that uh, maybe they haven't begun their journey, just pop a comment right in there. Yep. Um, or if, uh, any of our experienced brothers have had, uh, people come to them or, or have any advice, uh, for people listening out there that don't know how to get started, Pop it in the comments, and we'll go ahead and, uh, and and read it. Yeah, the nice thing about Masonic lodges, and I'm sure we've talked about this, you know, ad nauseum in the past, but you know, Masons come from all walks of life, right? If you're if you're um, thinking about petitioning a Masonic lodge or going and investigating Freemasonry, and you don't know any Masons, um, it's important to kind of know that. There is no, you know, there's, there's always this, this stigma in masonry of being it's an old man's club. You have to be rich. You have to be a pillar of society. You have to be some somehow important in order to become a mason. And that's not true at all. No, we come from all walks of life. So, you know, just know that when you visit that lodge, I mean, some lodges are a little bit more homogenous than others, right? If right. you're in a rural community, most people there are probably going to be involved in agriculture, for example. But, you know, in general, if you're in a you know, a city or, um, you know, a suburb or something like that, you're going to find people that do everything for a living. Some people, you know, make almost no money at all. Some people are CEOs of companies or involved in politics or something like that. We come from, from everywhere. So I think it's important to know that, hey, you don't have to be like a businessman or something like that right. and already have like a huge wardrobe of fancy clothing you <laughs> no, know, and tuxedos to become a mason. That it's may have been true at some time, yeah, uh, but, but certainly not now. Uh, yep. Joe Schultz adds, be careful what you see on the Internet and can give a false expectation. Oh, so that's sure. a really good point is, you know, once you've done your research on lodges and stuff on the Internet and you kind of know your path, Stop looking. Mm-hmm. Um, one, like you said, it could set a, a false expectations. Two, why ruin the surprise? 
Yeah. You know, if you're going to see uh, a movie or, or read a book that you've been wanting to read or, or see for a couple of years and you're super excited, you wouldn't want to know the ending before you even step into that uh, that movie theater or, or open that book. So yeah. definitely no stop. Um, mm-hmm. About 50% of what you'll read on the Internet is true, and the other part, just don't spoil it for yourself. Going through that experience is one of the most wonderful things that uh, that you'll experience in your life. The other thing that I'll add, since he brought up Internet, and initially this is what I thought, where I thought he was going, watch your social media accounts. Mm. <laughs> if you have public accounts, um, be mindful of, of what you put on there. Yep. Um, because that may make it uh, an impression upon the, the people that are investigating you or that uh, you're talking, and they may not mm-hmm. vouch for you based on something that they they saw. Um, and, you know, we, in Lodge, in Open Lodge, we shy away from uh, talk about religion and politics, but mm-hmm. some of that bleeds over, and yet it's your, uh, it's your right to put on your, your social media yep. whatever you want, but if you're falling into like some one of the extreme buckets on on either side and um sometimes that the language that's that's used um isn't always appropriate that's something that's going to be taken into consideration yep um you know you have the right to say what you want we have the right to choose who comes into our fraternity and who doesn't yep um uh, and it's, you know, that's important even for, you know, if you're a new Mason or, you know, a Mason that's been a Mason for 20, 25 years, something like that, you know, it's just like anything else. You're, if you represent an organization, if you say, hey, I'm a Freemason or you have a background image or something on your profile that has a square and compasses on it, you now represent the craft. You're now, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of what the term is in social media management. Uh, an ambassador. You're an ambassador yeah. of the or brand a, of Freemasonry, right? So yes. if you were going to do that. An influencer. An influencer, think, yeah. right. So yeah. somebody at some point is going to see that, and that's going to be their, their first impression of Freemasonry. So if you're not mindful of what you're posting, um, you're you're slandering the craft. Yeah. So I think that's that's really important. It's something that I put a lot of thought into because – I'm proud of my affiliation with Freemasonry. I have a lot of Masons that are friends on Facebook. Um, and I said, hey, you know, I'll, I'll be a brand ambassador for Freemasonry because I love the craft that much. But I'm very careful <laughs> what I put on Facebook. Now. Yeah. I, and it's a mind shift. It's hard to do. but It really is. And anybody that follows, uh, that's uh, friends with me on Facebook or follows my page, you know, there may be a few things that are that are borderline that I pop up every now and then. But imagine the the mm. things that I wanted to post that didn't make yeah it, that didn't make that, it that didn't oh. make it because I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm friends with not only a lot of Masons that may look at this differently, mm-hmm. but I've got a lot of I'm friends with some like past Grand Masters of Connecticut and and yep. some people that are current Grand Lodge officers, and mm-hmm. I'm like. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. So in a way, it kind of keeps you yeah. in line, and it's a good reminder of you know, guard your words and actions. You've got to, you know, you know, subdue your passions, as we like to say, That's and kind of keep the emotions in in check. Yeah, don't drink too much Wyoming whiskey and then go on social media. <laughs> we know that lesson well. But I've actually seen brothers, and this is one of my pet peeves. You know, somebody who's already a Mason, just. You know, again, put if you want to put anything on your Facebook page or social media, that's that's your right. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to put things that are obnoxious or, or lewd or, or whatever, 
just don't have like a picture of yourself with a with an apron as your profile no. picture yep. or you know the the freemason the square encompasses as your uh your background down there you are are representing the craft mm-hmm. um and you know it's like the the mirror that we have in my mother lodge there's a mirror and it says at the oh, top yeah, of it i got the same one remember this is what somebody else's impression of a, yep. a freemason is and usually, and usually my uh, my my bow tie is like a skin, like a skew, yeah. and I'm looking at it too. And I'm like, oh. But um, no, you definitely gotta gotta watch that and guard it. But especially if you're looking to to join the craft, um, that's something that you want to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, we're not trying to quash anybody's rights here. It's the same as if you work for a company, right? And let's right. say you're working for some defense contractor, and you post pictures of you. I don't know at company events and that kind of thing, and then you start putting slanderous stuff up, guess what? You can get fired for that. Mm -hmm. So the same is kind of true in masonry. And like you said, I mean, this is a free country. You know, you're free to post whatever kind of, you know, things you want on social media. Just don't let everybody know that you're a member of the craft if you're going to do that. Um, Some more comments here. Dan Valdez. When I visited another lodge for the first time, I wore a polo shirt and felt so underdressed. Didn't know mm. the etiquette at that time. And that's, we actually had that conversation with somebody on the uh, podcast page the other day because he was going for um, his investigation yep. and didn't know what to wear. Yep. Uh, general rule: you can never go you can never go wrong with a suit. Right. Like you, you really if you want to make it a little more casual, you could take the tie off, or you could keep the mm-hmm. tie on, take the jacket off. You can never go wrong. But this gets back to that, that point I made where, you know, 16, 18 years yeah. old, you go out and buy your first navy blue blazer. Yeah. Or, you know, if you ask and somebody's local, they'll probably let you borrow one if you're the same size. Yep. But, um, you know, definitely can't go wrong uh, with a suit or at the very least a, a blue blazer. I agree. And it's, you know, um, by the same token, if you don't know any better we're all adults right like if you walk in and you say oh crap i'm sorry you guys are all in tuxedos and suits like i didn't know we're we're not going to have a problem when like no and usually what ha- usually what happens is the blame like shifts to another brother like, right hey how who, come you didn't freaking who tell invited, this guy? Yeah. exactly who invited this guy now you made this new guy who's coming and now you make him feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. and usually uh there's some ribbing that goes on with whoever invited him nah, that's 100 percent accurate um, yep. Let's see. A couple other things quick here. Luminous Knight, he's in the Pacific Northwest and would be happy to talk to anybody about Freemasonry and assisting in finding a properly recognized lodge. Again, awesome. come to us. We can put you in contact with somebody. We've got a network of, yep. of people. Joe Schultz, so what happens after you petition a lodge? What can a petitioner expect? You know, hmm. Dan Valdez, who just going through the process now, yeah. comments, be patient. It can take a while for a lodge to review your petition. Yep. Keep going to lodge after you turn in your petition. It'll give brothers more time to get to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're never going to forget about you, especially if you're showing up to events and so forth. And there are sometimes lulls in our schedule because, you know, lodges will go dim in the summer months sometimes because there's no air conditioning um, or over the holidays because people, you know, are get very busy around that time and having that break between uh, you know, mid-December and early January makes sense in a lot of areas. but Yeah, and I know, know. parts of Maine, uh, they go dim in, uh, I believe, December and January, not only for for holidays, but also because it's really <laughs> freaking cold. Yeah. And they get, mm. uh, you know, a bunch mm. of storms. So different jurisdictions will do different things. Usually you yep. could find that out from either their Facebook page or their uh, 
um, their website that'll yep. tell you, hey, we meet, you know, second Wednesday of the month except for July and August or, mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. So, um, you know, understand that it may take a, a few months. There are also some jurisdictions or it may it may be more of a local lodge type of thing but i know there there are places that exist where they'll make you ask three times before they give you the petition so don't give up if it's something you're really interested in it's something you really want to do um make sure you ask at least three times if you ask four times and they still haven't given it to you then maybe it's time to go to find another lodge lodge. but that may be just a, a way that they're gauging how interested you are and how serious you are about it. Um, yeah, we tend so to take give up. quality over quantity um, is is kind of the watchword in uh, most jurisdictions around the world. Um, we're not looking to bolster our numbers back to what they look like in the in the post war era. It's just, it's just not feasible. Happen, it's right. probably never going to happen. So we do, you know, we have shifted our focus um, if it hasn't been there all along on uh, quality over quantity. So you know, just know that. Your petition does have to be reviewed. Um, An investigating committee has to be set up. Uh, they have to kind of, the brothers that are on that committee, usually it's three, bro- three brothers in our jurisdiction. Yep. they got to coordinate their schedules and stuff, and then they'll contact you and figure out what makes, you know, makes sense uh, for you to, to meet with them and do the actual investigation. So, And then they have to come to Lodge mm-hmm. and report on the investigation, yeah. and then it has to go to a vote. Yep. Um, and, you know, sometimes... I don't know if there's a low turnout or maybe there's a lot on the business schedule that week. They might postpone the uh, mm-hmm. the vote to the next meeting. Um, usually that doesn't happen, but it, it is possible. Yep. Um, and for some reason, if uh, if you don't get voted in, I know in, in Connecticut, again, it could be a jurisdictional thing. Uh, in Connecticut, if you don't get past the first vote, you have to wait six months before you can repetition. Yep. Uh, and it could be, uh, there could be various reasons Uh why the the vote doesn't go a certain way it could be that hey maybe they just don't think you're ready at this time or yep. maybe they don't think you're a good excuse me a good fit um there are also times where i don't know people vote a certain way just to to make a point <laughs> yeah that <laughs> happens that's, that's rare less frequently, yeah, yeah that's rare but it does happen but mm. usually um if if you don't make it past the vote, there's there's usually uh, a call from the secretary or, or the master and saying, yep. "Hey, look, um, didn't go through, but you know they if they, if they want you and they think that you could be a good future fit, they'll probably they'll tell you, hey, still options, keep yeah. coming around.' And yep. uh, um, and it could simply be because people haven't seen you enough and they don't know you. So yep. just keep coming around for that six months. They'll, if they encourage you to apply again in six months, that means that there's probably a good chance that you'll get in that second time i don't think anybody is harsh enough or cruel enough to say hey yeah apply again in six mm-hmm. months so we could vote you down again yeah no it's <laughs> generally not going to happen and the process is a very rigid one um from a procedural standpoint in freemasonry we take very seriously the creation of new masons it's one of the most important things that we do right so we're not so interested in a huge quantity of new petitioners coming in um but when we find one that we do believe is a fit and that's really interested in becoming a member of the lodge, we're not going to, to squander that opportunity. Right. 
no intelligent lodge masons would <laughs> no. ever do that, right? And be like, oh, well, we're just going to vote for, um, you know... Just for giggles. I don't know, you. like, read every line of the receipt for dinner tonight, and that's going to be business, and then we're just going to forget about this poor petitioner. Like, right. it's, you know, we, we prioritize that activity in Freemasonry. You know, you could have some lodges that are doing extremely well with membership, and... Um, they might have a, a lag. They might have a waiting mm-hmm. list. Full, because, a full slate, yeah. Yeah, because you can only, you know, I'm of the mindset of usually one, if possible, I like to do one degree per candidate. That's not mm-hmm. always possible. Um, usually once you get past four, the wheels start to come off a little bit. Five yeah. is difficult. Five is the max in the state of Connecticut, too, yeah. for any degree. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's just, getting, hard just getting that many brothers around the altar is sometimes a yeah. train wreck. So. And a lot of our lodges are small. Yeah. <laughs> They're not big. And trying yeah. to, to do some of the things that get done during that degree, sometimes it's a, it's a bit challenging. And uh, sometimes you lose a little something. Yep. But a lodge that you're talking to is going to tell you those things. Right. Um, and, you know, they'll let you know, hey, it's, it, on the really – the worst case scenario is really they're going to say, hey, there's this other lodge um, right? that either they'll perform the degree for you and you're still a full member of this lodge or, hey, we just have too much of an influx of membership. These guys over here, you know, don't really have that good kind of problem. Right. Uh, why right. don't you go talk to them and see if, you know, maybe they're a good fit for you. Um, but we're all we'll always find a way to accommodate you. It's just, you know, there are. There are bottlenecks sometimes. Right. And I, and if I were you, if they said there is a, a waiting period or they're, they're backlog, I don't know. I would ask why. Um, yeah. That's and they'll tell you. And question. if it's like, hey, it's just we've had an influx of memberships. Mm-hmm. People really like this lodge and want to join. Maybe it's worth the wait. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, it's it's like uh, when I had my gallbladder out, I was meeting with my surgeon. And I was mm-hmm. that was like the worst pain ever. Um, and... I'm excited to get to see the surgeon, and he's like, yeah, okay, we'll schedule out. It's probably going to be about two and a half, three weeks before your surgery. Yeah, no, I don't want to wait that long. Like, are you, like, seriously? I'm in excruciating pain, yeah. like, multiple times a day. And his response yeah. to me was, well, I could probably find you a surgeon that will take you tomorrow. But, do you but there's a reason why he's yeah. not busy. Yeah. He's not as good as I am. Right. I'm like. All right, I think I'll wait. Yeah, I think, yeah you, you sold me. Yeah, exactly. That's some good salesman trip from a medical Abs- professional. Well, and it, this guy is like this guy's legit. Like I think he graduated Cornell Med, is on like he did his residency at, at uh, one of the hospitals associated with Harvard. He's on the mm. board for Harvard and Yale. Like this guy, uh, he's a gallbladder freaking master. He does that um, hernias, and he's actually one of the most renowned breast cancer surgeons in the world. Oh, um, right does on. that Da Vinci robotic stuff and oh well, yeah, you got to be a you got to be crazy to be able to operate that stuff. Um, so yeah, nice. shout out to Doctor Kendler, good yeah. guy. But yeah, so that's thank I you just for fixing that. Joe's gallbladder, Doctor <laughs> Kendler. Actually, really he removed it it's or, like it's gone. or whatever, whatever <laughs> but, you did. Uh, it but no, it was just that reminded me. He's like, yeah, they can get you somebody that could take you tomorrow, but yeah. you might not get the same experience. Yeah, that's a good point. So, that's a good point. So yeah, ask why if it's just like yeah, we just haven't gotten around to it. Then all right, then. Go check out another lodge. Yeah, that tells you something, too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Schultz, pandemic caused a huge backlog. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if you're looking now, like we said, uh, a lot of lodges go dim in July and August, so they they just might not be there. They might not be checking the mail as regularly or checking voicemails or whatnot. So yep. um, be patient. Be patient. But uh, don't give up. Keep trying. 
yeah, be a pain in the butt if it's that important to you. I think at this point in the pandemic, too, a lot of lodges have kind of found the, the butter zone and know how to operate. Yeah. And so I think things are kind of getting back to normal. But you never know. I mean, with all this stuff going on, it could be that they may have to, you know, stop um, stop degrees for a little while again. So, yeah, you know, be patient with us just like everything else. And then uh, one other thing that I'll, I'll mention, we have this in, in Connecticut, which has kind of helped with the, you know, with the pandemic and, and other things. Um, you can actually fill out not necessarily a, a petition online, but it's you can enter the process online. It's the, the mm-hmm. EMR program, um, electronic mail, request? Uh, electronic membership, membership request. request. Yeah. There you go. I should yeah. know that. Um, but in essence, you, you kind of you go to any other website where you're like oh contact us for more information that's what it is yep that can get the process started um which is good because the secretary or actually usually it's the district representative mm-hmm. um kind of piggyback or um quarterbacks that and then we'll farm it out to the lodges and they um, find the correct lodge too yeah. which kind of helps in your search so you know you're going to the correct place and not you know possibly some clandestine lodge or, exactly um when that you know, fits where you're coming from. They'll they'll find that information for you. Yeah, so that's the, a good point. There is that uh, electronic or, or virtual knock on the door, so yep. to speak. That'll at least get the process started. Yep. Um, we got a. I got one for uh, my mother lodge a, a week or so ago. And called the guy, had a great conversation, and sure enough, he's like, "Yeah, you're like the third lodge that I've spoken to." And mm-hmm. you know, you've gone back to me. And he was doing his homework. He was doing exactly yeah. what we were preaching. And I'm yep. like, "Hey, you're doing a great thing." Yeah. Come on, you know, if we're uh, we're not doing anything formally till September, but uh, I'll keep your number. If we do something at the, the lodge that's uh, open to the public, I'll give you a shout and stop on by. Yep. Um, but I was like, God, yeah, this guy's doing his due diligence. He's he's going through all the steps. This guy's going to be a good brother. Yeah, so he's serious um, about it. Yeah, whichever lodge he goes to, he's going to be a great brother and, you know, welcome to Connecticut Freemasonry wherever you end up. Yep. And a lot of times if you fill out one of those EMR requests, um, depending on what, you know, happens on the back end, um, I don't think it works this way in Connecticut, but you'll, you'll be put on a mailing list. Um, you won't get spam, but you'll, there's a, a high probability that you'll get um, messages about upcoming events. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's important because you want to meet these people. You want to know what they're about. You want to know if Freemasonry is right for you that's the information that you want you want to know when those events are happening and you can see how active the lodge is and what type of events they get involved in if you're somebody that wants to be heavily involved in community um type events whether it be i don't know cleaning up cemeteries we've done that whether it's um you know giving bikes away uh that is they do in morningstar here they do a a bike raffle the car show um Based on the events that they're doing, that might give you a good idea of what that lodge is into and if it meets, matches up with, with what your interests are. Yep. So. Or you can see if there's programs on meeting nights. You may not have, you know, you don't have the opportunity to view them necessarily until you become a Mason. But, hey, if they're doing a lot of historical talks or they're doing a lot of, you know, philosophy and esoteric talks, yeah, that tells you kind of what the general vibe of that lodge is and whether it's a good fit for you or not. And you'll usually be able to find out, because um, this came up in the conversation with the, the gentleman that I just was referencing before. Mm-hmm. He asked right away, what nights, of the, what nights of the week do you meet on? Because yep. he travels certain nights of the week, and he was kind of trying to figure out if he could, uh, could work that into his schedule. And that yep. would be a big uh, um, 
factor in what lodge he chooses because he wants to be there. He wants to be active. But if he's traveling every Tuesday and the lodge meets on Tuesdays, that's not yeah. going to. If he can never go, then what's the point? Right. And that was one of the big things that brought a lot of new members to Morningstar is when mm-hmm. they added a, a Saturday meeting because we have a lot of um, brothers here that work for uh, have a, a government contractor and they work yep. you know second and third shift and they can't make a, a 7:30 meeting on a thursday night so yep. having that saturday meeting got a lot of new brothers into this lodge and mm-hmm. they're very active yep um so you've you've got to figure that out you got to make sure it fits into your schedule yep good point so anything else on this Topic, Kenny. I don't you think, think we're? So. Uh, I'm not. I think we kind of beat it to death, and I don't see any new comments coming in. Um, so, so I'm going to say let's charge and align Ooh. the okay. cannons one last time for one last quick toast before we go off the air. The second toast of obligation for the evening. And you can make it a short one. I really. And you'll understand <laughs> why in a moment. Okay. I think I already know. <laughs> we really have to like sand down the corner of this table because putting my arms on it, it's uh, it's a little rough on your sensitive like, skin. Yeah, see, it's like digging into my skin. Whatever, we can rectify that. Just All right, so this uh, this toast of obligation, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, right workflow brother George Mudry, mm-hmm. who celebrates his birthday tomorrow. Hmm. Uh, the godfather of the podcast, so to speak. Yes, and got us both involved in it. So. Uh, just a little happy birthday, George. As much as we bust on you, and we will continue to, uh, wouldn't be the same without you, and it never is. So yeah. We love you, brother. Happy birthday. Ken, why don't you leave this one? I can do that. Brother, right hand to arms. To arms. Ready. Ready. Aim. Aim. Fire, good fire, fire all. Together, brother. Vivat, vivat, vivat. And that'll wrap us up for the evening. Yes, sir. Uh, for the Freemasons podcast, signing off. I'm Worshipful Brother Joe. I'm Worshipful Brother Ken, signing off. Good night, everybody. Good night, Mike.